As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Built to Last show. I am like beyond thrilled for today's guest, Carrie Jameson, because she is our first ever guest who has a product-based business. And I got to say, I'm really obsessed with this product. I'm going to have to go buy a few myself. I can't wait for you to hear about her story and go check out her amazing brand. So Carrie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. I am so excited to be here, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, I am Kerry, Kerry Jameson. Um, And as you just said, I have my own brand. So yeah, I can tell you all about it now if you like. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with this. Um, I know a little bit about you, how you got started. Obviously, I've read that on your website. We've connected briefly. Start with the backstory, right? Like start, like, where did this whole idea come from? Tell us about the business and then kind of catch us up to speed with where you're at now. Okay, so we'll try and do six years in six minutes. I think that might be quite good. (laughs) I speak quickly, don't worry. And so, yeah, well, it was actually nine years ago. I was working in TK Maxx, which I think you guys call TJ Maxx as a senior buyer. I was designing their royalty brands, doing all their accessories. And I'd had a history of um, a career in accessories and clothing over 25 years. And I went into a very well-known retail store when I fell pregnant and looked for a bag thought it would be super simple to find something that was pretty, that was practical, and that was well made, and that would work for me. And I just stood there on this wall thinking, these are so ugly. Like, I'm having a baby. I'm not losing my sense of style, surely. I'm just having a baby. The baby's going to fit into my life, and I want a bag that fits into my life, but also keeps my shit organized. And so I walked out just a bit bemused and ended up buying this hideous gray ripstock nylon messenger bag with a flap that a man would carry quite happily and every time I put on a scarf I'd catch it in the velcro and then I'd rip another scarf and I was like seriously I'm trying to bring a kid here I've just had a baby and on top of everything I can't even dress nicely without all my clothes getting ruined by this stupid velcro who puts velcro on a bag in the first place Um, so I went back to work I carried on doing my job and just this thing was just niggling in my head of like I just can't believe that was the best that was out there that's all the options that were available and then I had twins and so that was about a year and a bit later I fell pregnant again and I was thinking right things must have changed it's been a year and a bit I'll go back and oh my god try finding a bag for twins I mean it was like somebody had just taken a a pen and drawn a square and put a handle on it and then just made it wider to fit the width of a double pram and gone that'll do she'll be happy with that and there was nothing. And I just sat there thinking, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't believe it. And I thought, I'm a bit of a planner. I sort of already realized that I was not going to be able to carry on my career as a buyer. I knew there was no part-time option available. I knew that they were not going to be job sharing. So it, really, unfortunately, because I loved my job, I knew I was not going to be able to do my job anymore. And there was a bit of a shady story around all of that. And I was discriminated against the second pregnancy. So I kind of just thought, 
right, well, I have two options. I can come back full time and I can have a nanny and my kids can be brought up by the nanny and I'll see my kids at weekends. And I don't judge, by the way, there are plenty of people that do that. For me personally, I just didn't think that was going to work for me. Um, so the plan B was become an entrepreneur. And with that, I suddenly decided maybe the 25 years career that I'd had in accessories and handbags, the three years I'd lived in Hong Kong and traveled around China, visiting all of the factories that do all the handbags in all the different districts, maybe, just maybe, as a mum, I could use that experience of being a mum, also being a designer, and also being a bit of a businesswoman, not the best, but a bit of a businesswoman, um, and my experiences as a buyer to, to do it myself. And so I decided that's what I was going to do. And I don't mean to brag, but as I was breastfeeding twins, I was designing with one hand and like on maternity leave. And when mom was asleep and they bounced, I picked the other one up and I talked to it. And then I'd do a little bit more because actually babies sleep most of the time at the beginning. So that's, yeah, that's, and that's how Kerry Kit was born. It was like the third twin. Yeah. I love that. I resonate with your story so much. Um, my first career, I was actually a high school teacher and I left because we had a daughter 11 years ago and I still had like some online teaching jobs, but, and I started my business back then as well. But I remember she slept 16 hours a day. She was awake to be fed. And I had my laptop here and I would type with one hand and I would breastfeed her in my arm. And she really wasn't a crier. So she was just there like doing her thing while I'm over here, like no. building whatever I'm building with my laptop. It's doable. It's not hey. ideal. <laughs> not, none of it's ideal, but very, very doable. <laughs> no. Um, okay. It's amazing so, how good we get at multitasking as mothers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. we got to do it all, right? Um, okay. So there's a couple of things here. I'm hearing that you, you noticed a problem that you were experiencing. And by golly, other women having babies trying to find a nice bag, diaper bag. I was one of those women too. I remember I was like, I have to find something trendy because looking online there, everything is ugly. Uh, I wanted something trendy. And what I could find, I found like the trendiest thing I could 11 years ago. And it wasn't even that great. Looking back on it, it's like, oh my God, that was hideous. So you identified a problem, identified there's got to be like millions and millions of other women who have the same exact problem, you know, that's kind of like the, the, the foundation of business right there. Identify a problem. Are you willing to actually go out and develop a solution? And that's exactly what you did. Yeah. yeah. I'm proud of myself for doing it. It's not been easy, but I'm still proud of myself for doing it. Yeah. Do you design your own bags? Of course. The every single detail. Yeah. Every single detail. It so did you come into months. it? Did you come into it with design experience? Um, yes. Yeah, so I designed, I did fashion design at university, however many years ago, I'm not going to tell you because it was, I, can't, I get frightened by how old I've become. Um, and I then, I then lived in Hong Kong where I was designing uh, collections for all of the high street in the UK and America and we were doing Bloomingdale's. It was just, there was so many things going on. And I was, I was 23 running. I mean, it's amazing what you can do when you're 23. Yeah. Oh my God. I look at what I did at 23 and I think I could know, there's no way I could do that now. Um, I was like running multiple accounts, like 23 accounts. And these were big accounts like Otto, Karlstadt, Bloomingdale's, Macy's. And then in the UK, we had Next, we had Asda, we had higher brands as well, Shanghai Tang. And I would design collections that would cater for every brand because 
I just knew what the customer needed. And so I would design a collection that would fit into what the buyer wanted. And that was how my career began in handbags. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did that for many years. And then I moved over to TK Maxx and I did it for them as well as buyer and um, designed a lot of their royalty brands. And then the good part about that was I could design them and then buy them. Yeah. Whereas before I was designing them for another buyer in the hope that she would buy them. And then when I decided to do my collection, I was like, well, it's no different. It's just my money. Really, that's the only difference. I've, I've just got to back this myself. And it's the company is completely self-funded. I set it up myself with my savings from TK Maxx and nobody's helped me. I've done it all by myself and I design every single detail down to the nth degree. I look at all the leathers. I pick the leathers. I choose the, the this is a beautiful Italian um, foil print. This has had like four samples to get to the shade I want because one was too cream, one was too cream until I'm 100% happy. So it's not just the pick something off the shelf in a factory in China and just put my brand name on it. Every single detail, I think it through. I think what does a woman need out of this bag? How's it gonna make her feel? How's the leathers, like the leathers just to smell them and to touch them, they're like butter. They're like, this is a beautiful leather or patina over years to come. You know, it, to me, that's really, really important. I'm creating the very best quality that I possibly can for yeah. women who will then enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. So from idea to you had your first product like at, at market, how long did that take? What was that process like? Okay, so we registered the company. I think it was in 2000. I always get confused with my kids' age and the business's age. 2012, I think it was. And then I had my first son. And then I think it was two, yeah, 2014, we registered the business. And then I went live a year later. So I left my job saying, yep, see you in a year. I got in the car, heavily pregnant with the twins. I drove around the corner, 40 minutes away to my supplier where I'd already put everything into work. We signed on the dotted line. We agreed what we were going to do. And the production began, basically. We finalized all the designs. I then went home, gave birth. All the samples came in. We got the website built. um, And then I handed in my notice a year later when I went back in April to TK Maxx. And said, I'm really sorry, it's not going to work. They offered me a job in the head office working in finance three days a week when I now lived 300 miles away. And so we all knew that wasn't going to work. And I said goodbye. And then the next day I went home and then I pressed go on my website and we went live a week later. Fast. In other words, you did that fast. It sounds like a whirlwind. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was. It was quick. (laughs) Yeah. I want to talk about your mindset during that time, right? Like I think as women, Um, I mean, I work with business owners and one of the biggest things that holds them back. And I think that holds all of us back is our mindset, our beliefs, what we think we're capable of. Do we think that we're enough to put our idea out there? You don't have the only company where you're selling bags, right? Like you've got competition out there. So what was your mindset? Like, how were you able to be so courageous, so confident, so convicted that I'm pregnant with twins. I'm going to leave my job. I have an idea. I've never done it before. And then you are like, go to market in a year and you're still around six years later. Talk about the mindset behind that. Well, I could be flippant and say naivety because I think there is definitely some truth in that. I kind of just went, yeah, it'll be fine. I'm going to do it. It's going to be okay. So there was definitely naivety in there. Um, Massive amount of support from my family, you know, just undying support from my husband, who is always there. Every time I want to give up, he's like, no way. It's 
this is the product's not the problem, it's just the root to market, or this is not the problem, we're in COVID. You know, there's been major challenges. Um, and I would say, seeing how I was six years ago to how I am today, I'm not as strong today and as resilient as I was six years ago. It takes its toll on you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to people and say, oh, it's so easy. I did it in a year and everything was brilliant. I I was I was naive in the fact that I just didn't have a clue. I wasn't I'm not I'm not business educated. I have a fashion design degree, which means I can pull a collection together, I can make the product, I can send it down the runway and everyone will clap. I had no idea how to market it. I thought I would design it, create it, manufacture it, import it, pop it on the website, and everyone would just buy it. That's genuinely what I thought would happen. And then I sat there and I just went okay where are the orders like why is not why is everybody not buying it and to be really honest with you my first collection was stunning but I failed really if I'm honest with you because I was too emotional Mm -hmm. I'd been a buyer for seven years I knew exactly what I should be doing and how much things should cost and I was like yeah I want Italian leathers oh my god yeah let's just let's just create our own mold Let's do our own webbing that's got Kerry kit printed on it. Let's do this with an Italian pony skin. Let's ship it in from Italy. Oh, it's just, it was just the budget I thought I was going to sell the bags at. If they were in a store, they would be over $2,000, pounds, whatever, because I just literally lost my mind a little bit. And I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. The reality is nobody is going to spend $2,000 on a completely unknown brand selling itself as a bit of a diaper bag. So I, I failed my own brief if I'm really really honest Mm -hmm. we did sell them so that was fine but we didn't sell them at the price they should have been I had to sell them at a price I thought was reasonable for the fact that I was a brand so we did launch at $500 for for the bags and I'm trying to do my exchange rates but one of them was at £495 and some were at £360 that's like $500 and we sold them I was a completely unknown brand we went to baby fairs and I'd stand there I remember the first show we went to I had this was launch day I'm like right this is going to be mental we were in London it was a massive big big exhibition and I was like I'll put a box in well that's only four bags you're there for three days put another box in but you've put two in you may as well put three and we might sell we might sell out I had a tail lift truck I had these massive units which are in my showroom now which we never use anymore because I've realized why we got given them for free and I turned up and I had boxes and boxes and boxes we sold six bags There was nothing quite so demoralizing as taking the 50 cartons that you'd put into the box, into the thing, back out and just going, oh, my God, in three days, we sold six bags, like something's wrong. Like, but we carried on, we carried on We, you know, I kept slaving away. I worked harder and I worked harder and I didn't give myself a break. That's one thing I really noticed that for the two years, probably of my business, I just didn't stop mentally. I was just must work harder must work harder harder work will pay off and I was just exhausting myself and actually the whole purpose of starting the brand was to spend more quality time with my children and it probably wasn't quality I mean luckily they were very young so they never noticed but I was I was working my arse off you know and that takes its toll mentally and then when things don't go as you think they're going to go you have no one else to talk to as an entrepreneur I'm on my own yeah my husband's got my ear my mum's got my ear but you're really lonely, you know, and they are the things I think that mentally affect you more. I am very resilient. I'm very passionate. I'm very driven. I work very hard. But sometimes that could be a negative thing because you just you're almost lashing yourself on the back the whole time because yeah. you're not taking time for you. 
And I, ha- and I did, I burnt myself out probably quite closely in the first two years. And I remember seeing a, a sort of coach and the first thing I had to do was to write down all the amazing things I'd done in the, in the last year. And I was like that. Okay. Uh, and I just realized I'd worked. I'd worked and I'd worked and I'd worked. And, I, and we made changes from that day forth that we were ne- I was never going to be in that position again um, and brought yoga into my life and brought meditation into my life. And uh, work-life balance became very key for me. And so I've, and, and, and that's the bit I think that's made me more resilient later when things got tough because I'd already put those in in like year three. I was like, this, this can't go on anymore. Um, and that's helped me more, I think, through the very tough periods that we've had with COVID and lockdown as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, so looking back during that time, those first couple of years where it was just like success blinders on, head down, hustle and grind. I think that's how a lot of us started our businesses. I know I did. It was like, it's like do or die. I'm the one building it. I'm doing everything. This is my dream and my baby. If I want to see it become an empire, I'm going to have to put the pedal to the metal. Looking back, do you think you would have been more successful or less successful had you not operated that way in the first two years? Like, do you think that is what got you to where you were? Do you think you had to go through that? Do you think every new business owner has to go through that period to even make it work to begin with? I think there's truth to it. I think there is hustle, unless you've got loads of money where you can hire staff to do things for you and you can delegate things out. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have business acumen already that you can look at the situation in which I wish I could have done then and gone, okay, these are my strengths. So Mm -hmm. I'm gonna play to my strengths. I'll design the collection. My weakness is marketing. So I'm gonna get somebody in right from day one who's gonna help me with marketing. Instead, I traveled the world thinking, I'm gonna take over the world, guys. I'm gonna to go to America, I went to Las Vegas, I went to Shanghai with my mom. And the stories I could tell you about these trade fairs that we went to, hustling and hustling and hustling and spending thousands of pounds, when actually everything's so digital now. Even yeah. then, you know, six, six years ago, it was still an internet world. If I'd spent that time creating the brand story more clearly and having the marketing support, I perhaps wouldn't have needed to slog so hard. I just didn't know at that time that was my weakness and that that would have been a really good thing to invest my money in. So that whole thing of you pay you pay peanuts, you get monkeys and, and learning what you're good at. You can't be good at everything. And at that time, I didn't know I wasn't good at it. I thought I could do everything. And the reality is I couldn't. And if I'd got help a lot earlier on the marketing, I probably would have made money much quicker and not wasted as much money trying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is a good segue into team and asking for help, both on the business side and the personal side. So you've got a business, you're running a company, you're growing it. You've got this amazing brand. You got three kids. Are they under 10? All of them under 10? Yeah. 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 Okay. So Seven three and kids nine. under 10. Yeah. Obviously you're not doing everything at this point, totally solo by yourself. So how, talk to us a little bit about like whatever you're willing to share. Do you have help on the personal side, family side? Do you have help on the business side? I mean, you can go into, it sounds like you've had coaches. Have you hired team members? You know, it sounds like you do yoga. So you have that support. Do you have in-home support? Talk to us about the level of support that it actually, like, I want you to share it because I want people to hear that it's okay to ask for help, number one, especially for those of us who are insanely, like we're overachievers. We, I mean, you love your work. I love my work. I could work all day long and all night long if you let me, but we would also like die an early death if we did that. So it's okay to ask for help. I'd love to hear what help you have 
um, on both sides, business and personal? Yeah, I think that's a really good question as well, because I remember being a buyer at TK Maxx and I remember going on trips and I remember this was before I had children and I remember the buying managers being like, oh my God, oh my God, it's eight o'clock, I've not run my son and stressing out and then going outside and trying to get signals and they'd be halfway through a meal and they'd be like, okay, I'm so sorry, I'm so, you know, and I just think that's not right. Like that picture doesn't work for me at all. So if I'm going to do this, I'm not, I'm not having that in my life. That's not one stress I'm prepared to put up with. So right from day one, when we had Jasper, we decided we would get an au pair. Um, now, nannies were too expensive. We were lucky that we'd, we had enough room in our flat in London that we could have an au pair. And also the trade-off of what you get for having an au pair is, to me, so worth having somebody in your house. Like lots of people are like, oh, but we'd rather have a nanny and it's £50,000 a year, but we don't have them sleep in our house. I'm like, okay, so uh, let's just run through the au pair scenario. They're £100 a week. They cook for you. They clean for you if you train them right. They are really happy to be in the house. They're part of your family. They love your kids like you love your kids. Your kids are balanced. Your kids are happy. When your kid has a cold, they know where the medication is. And if you have to go to work, they're just as happy being at home with the au pair as they are with you. Now, I did hear somebody say to me, oh, but I'm just really worried that the au pair, they're going to love the au pair more than me. <laughs> that's never going to happen. And quite frankly, if they do love the au pair as much as you, that's a win-win. Because that means your kid is loved by three people and is you're able to go out and you have no guilty conscience. So I used to do the trips when I had Jasper because I was still working at TK Maxx. I never said I'd bring my kids. I was still to this day. When mummy leaves, mummy's gone for seven days, nine days, whatever it is, don't expect a call. They've never expected a call and I never give them a call. And so I walk out that door and I stop being a mum for seven days and I turn into businesswoman and I'm just a businesswoman. And that might sound quite cold, but the payoff for me is I don't have to think about calling them. I'm not restricted to anything. If I'm at a meeting, if I'm having drinks, whatever I'm doing, I'm just in work mode. And that for me has worked really well. And because my kids never had it, they just say, bye, mommy. And then, hi, mommy. And that's it. Yeah. Um, and the au pair thing for me is really important because you are late. Your car doesn't, well, cars don't break down, but trains don't arrive. Things get canceled. Flights are delayed. And being able to just ring up and go, yeah, hi, listen, I'm going to be late is okay, fine, well, the kids are already in bed, they've had dinner, I put the phone down, I'm not stressed, I walk into the house, and over the years, we've had au pairs now for nine years, the contract has changed, you know, we're so grateful, I can work, I'll come downstairs, and we'll have a really lovely, ready-made cooked meal, delicious and nutritious, from like Augusto, or like HelloFresh, every night, something delicious to eat, and then we have really quality time with the kids, and so the time we have with the kids is morning, we get them up in the morning, we give them their breakfast, we get them ready. My au pair will be in the background, like doing the boring things. I don't need to make them a biscuit or a sandwich. I'll buy the food for the sandwich, you know, and then they'll make the sandwich. So I pick the bits I want to do. So I'm engaged with the children. I'm doing their homework with them. I'm doing all the bits that matter. And my au pair is making sure they've got their forest school bag ready with all their waterproofs. It's a, it, you know, we, we all work as a team to get everything done. And then in the evening, she makes the food so I can do a bit of extra work. And then when I come down, I'm engaged with the children and we do the bath time, we put them to bed and we're there with them all weekend. Yeah. Um, so if you can get that to work in your home, it's game changing mm -hmm. because you've got to focus so hard on doing your business. As I mentioned before, I'm very, very lucky. I've got a very supportive husband. He's very hands-on in the family. And we're very lucky that we live next door to my mum. So I've been blessed with three extra pairs of hands. So when people are like, oh my God, that must be so hard for you. I'm like, it's not, it's not yeah. hard. 
Yeah. But I've organized it that way. I've made this this situation because I knew for me to be able to go out and do my business, I had to have the home bit sorted. Yeah. You can't do both. You just you're just gonna all the wheels will fall off. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I I literally want to be your best friend. <laughs> I feel like I have you met can. my match. I have met my match <laughs> because I literally have approached my life since becoming a mom. Exactly what you're saying is how I've personally approached motherhood while also being an entrepreneur. I'm a really big believer that you cannot do both at this like extraordinary, like heights of excellence. You just can't actually, I heard, um, I'm not a big fan of him, but I heard LeBron James say this years ago. And he was like, and I think he has three kids. He's married to his high school sweetheart. They have three kids. They're older now. So they were much younger when he said this. Um, but he was like, basketball is my number one thing. It is what I live for. It is what I eat. It is what I sleep. It is what I study it is what I do. I cannot be at home 24 seven. I also can't be, go become a chef. I can't go become a baseball player. I can't go do this. I can't be good at this. I can't be good at this because I've chosen to be except like the best in the world at this one thing. And you have to make those choices and you have to be okay with those choices and set up your home life, set up your family life, set up your business so that it's aligned with your values. Um, I think sometimes yeah. women, I mean, I know this has crossed my mind before Carrie. It's like, oh my gosh, if I actually say that this is how I operate, are other women going to come and hunt me down and like, tell me you're bad, you're wrong. Your kid needs you. And I mean, I have a daughter, I'm a woman. Um, she shouldn't see you working all the time. I think that we're also kind of caught in between these two worlds. And I think it's been happening for a couple of years. We've got like these people who are like, no, like, you shouldn't be working all the time. You should spend all this time with your kids. Da, 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 da. And then other people who are like, just work all the time. Um, I'm so glad to hear you say this and to say it publicly and to say it so courageously. Like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. This is how I'm going to run my life. This is what works for me and my family. And it's okay for those of us like me who agree with it. I mean, I live my life that way as well. I love that. Thanks. Well, I think it's, <clears throat> if my mother ever watches this, she'll probably be a bit upset, but I think she does. She was a mom. She was a stay at home mom and she loved every minute of it. And that's great. I, you know, I, I take my hat off to people who are stay at home moms because I think that's far harder than anything else. Um, but I think sometimes she looks at me and just thinks, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what is it that drives you? Why are you, why do you want to do this so much over the, over and above everything else? And then my kids are like, did you sell any bags today, mommy? Oh my God, mommy, I saw a Facebook advert of you. And they go into school and they're like showing their teachers my website. I'm like, you did what? And they're like, yeah, today I showed that. And they are so proud of me. And that yeah. to me is really important. My daughter is just so watching everything I'm doing. She sits in this room and she's like, so this is a bag and this is where I put my phone. And I'm thinking, you've watched this. You've, you know, you've seen me doing it and you're just verbatim quoting me. And I think that's the key. Like my kids are really happy. They're very, very um, independent, very self-confident. They have got five people who love them. There's no negative for me here. There's no negative. So people who might judge, they can judge away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember when Brighton was a, a baby. That's when I started my business as well. She's a baby. And for a while, like the first few uh, the first couple of like months she was at home with me and I was like, I cannot do this. I can't build a business with an infant here like all day long. I think she was like by then four or five months old. 
And at that time, I didn't have tons of money. I had left a teaching job. Sean was a personal trainer. And I found the, the woman who worked in the childcare room at Sean's gym. And I was like, hey, do you watch kids at your house when you're not here? Because she didn't, she didn't work there more than 10 hours a week. She was like, yeah, I paid her $5. This was you know 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I paid her $5 an hour. And she literally helped me raise Brighton. And I just like slowly added on more time and more time. And they still, to this day, have got the greatest relationship. I mean, it's just so beautiful. I I love hearing you say like, as moms, we're not the only one who can raise our kids. We need help. It really does take a village. So that's your personal side help. What type of team do you have on the business side that helps you? So I try and keep that as lean as I can. So I don't, I don't employ anybody full-time, but I have two full-time VAs. Um, I love them dearly. They've been with me for one of them's with me for like two years now, probably, I think. And the other ones are coming up to a year. Um, one is a single mom um, who I hope just she doesn't mind me saying this, has had a really tough time. And I'm really grateful to be able to support her. She's phenomenal. She's great. Uh, we're very close. We live our life through WhatsApp. I have um, issues with my hands, not to go into the detail, but basically through lockdown, um, I was, uh, like many parents, thrown in the deep end with three children at home, a school that turned around and said, don't worry, we'll pick it up when you come back. 14 weeks later, being how I am, I was like downloaded the, the premium of Twinkle within five seconds. I was up at five in the morning, stapling like crossword puzzles and making classroom things for my kids. And I had them all at different levels. One's more advanced than the other of the twins. So I had to do one year one, one year two, and one year four, and make it up as I was going along. And like this, and tense, and stressed. And my business went mental, and we had the best year on record because everyone was buying online for the first six months. And I was like this, and I was like this. Anyway, ended up with what was like carpal tunnel and nerve damage and had splints on my hands. So I can't type very well now. Um, So everything is voice notes. And I've got them on WhatsApp, and I just literally am splurging, splurging, splurging. And they have two different roles. One of them does the marketing and the newsletters and that sort of thing. And the other one does all the customer service, which is Vanessa, and the back end of the website and all of the admin stuff, which then allows me to sit here and do the front of house stuff. Um, And that's my team. So there's three of us. Um, I still do the majority. And then I bring people in for projects that I want to do. So if I want to look at more marketing, I'll bring in a marketing expert. If I need help with coaching, I'll sign up with a coach for a period of time um, so it means I can dip in and dip out and when we have to be leaner with the business like we've had to with lockdown and COVID I didn't have to let anyone go in fact all of my staff carried on working the same hours that they were um, but if I wasn't able to do something I didn't have a, 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 a anybody on the books doing marketing you know mm-hmm. so in that way it, it really helped me yeah love that love that what would you say uh, especially over the last 18 <clears throat> months that you have learned the most about yourself obviously you're a business owner. I think every single small business got hit during the pandemic in some way or another, whether it was kids are home from school or sales, you know, took a plummet, uh, whatever it was for you. What did you learn about yourself navigating the last 18 months? Yeah. Um, I'm not bulletproof. (laughs) I'm not invincible. I did have mental health issues that I didn't know I had until I stopped to really think about them. Um, so I'm sort of a, a little bit split because I'm a mother and a businesswoman and I'm also proud of my achievements, but also I've struggled. So it's um, it's that kind of leaning into you and listening to you 
and accepting whatever you you are at the time. So sometimes I was the strong me and I was the, I'm invincible. I am able to take these three children and educate them myself and look how great I am. And I'm also doing my business, aren't I brilliant? And then the next minute I'm like, hang on, there's another lockdown. All right, shit, this is, this, this shit is real now. The wheels are falling off. I'm in tears. I can't possibly do this all again. I gave everything I got the first time round. Somebody has to help me. And thankfully my mum did. And she just looked at me and thought, there's, there's no way she can go. She can't do it again. Uh, it nearly killed her the first time. But the first time I was so stoic. And I was like, yes, I can do this. I can do everything. Look at me. Watch me do everything. Why? I have no idea. And then the next time it was just very apparent that I couldn't do it. Like, I just, I was up to here. Um, so my mum was amazing and she stepped in. And interestingly, the second lockdown is when the business started to nose mm. because we'd had six months. It was like good, bad and ugly. And we'd had six months of amazingness, like most people that were online and everything went mental. And then six months later, the bank still sitting there that the person's bought and they've not gone anywhere. So we then went into the tough time. So mentally, yeah, I think that's been the whole it's okay to not be okay thing. Mm. is what everyone's talked about and mental health and I think I just thought I wasn't one of them and I've had to sit back and go you are you are one of them you are struggling your tears are here you mm. know even talking to you now I can feel in my chest it's very alive I can feel my eyes are going because I'm still in it I'm not mm. better I'm not like we've just we've just come out of lockdown but I think now mentally we're at probably our weakest mm. because it's harder now than it's ever been. And yet you don't want to talk about it because there are people so much worse off. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to sit there and say, my business I've spent six years growing on my own is hanging in the balance because no one's going anywhere. Yeah. You want to sit there and say, my business is amazing, guys. You should all buy my bags because they're brilliant. But you come out the other side and you think, I don't want to speak about it because him over there in hospitality, he's having a way worse time than me. You know, her over there, she's just lost her job after being furloughed for a year. She's having, and she's got three kids. You know, there's people way worse off. So it's one of those really challenging things that you should be able to talk about your own problems and be able to express them. But equally, I think a lot of us just feel like we're all in it together. So we all just keep it to ourselves and don't talk about it because we feel that somebody's worse off. And then all that does is make you keep it in yourself and then you explode. You know, you have yeah. your own little meltdown. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes too, we're also afraid of, of sharing where we're at and the reality of where our business is at. Look, like here's the truth about business. You're always going to have ups and downs, right? Like every business is going to go through growth stages and seasons of growth. Every business is going to go through seasons of plateauing. You're going to go through seasons of like lows and dips as well. And again, I think we, we showcase so much of the highlights and we showcase so much of like, I made all this money. And because that's what we're seeing and so what we're so privy to, we think, am I the only one who's experiencing like a season of like not a lot of sales? Am I the only one who like had two months in a row where I didn't make any more money? And then we have like this freak out because we don't think anybody else is going through it or we think we're going to be judged or people are going to see us in a certain way. I think, I think this, you know, we need to be talking about this a whole lot more publicly with each yeah. other and letting other people totally. know like, hey, we all go through it. Totally. Yeah. And even hearing you say, I'm sitting here going, Oh, thanks for saying that, Megan. That's made me feel a bit better. <laughs> you know, even though I'm clever enough to know I'm not on my own and I'm talking to people who are like doing Facebook ads and they're like, Kerry, 
it's shit for everyone. Like it's not just you, it's not just, so you hear it and it does make you feel better. But even hearing you say it just now makes me feel better because you're right in social media, on Instagram, it's all a pretty picture. Everything's amazing, everything's wonderful. Yeah, we're normal people. Yeah. We have our ups and we have our downs and we have totally. our shit days and we have our good days and business is exactly the same. Yep, exactly. So tell us what is next for Carrie Kit and how we can find, tell, I want to, I want you to share about your website, where we can go see the bags. I know we've got a cool code. We're going to put that all in the show notes. So what is next for your brand? And then tell us where we can find it. <clears throat> okay. So you can find me at www.kerrykit.com. I also just literally, before we hung, we went on the call together, did my first comment sold live. Now that might mean something to your followers in the UK. It means absolutely nothing. No one had a clue who it was, um, but that was super exciting. We made sales. So I'm like, I'm mega excited. I'm buzzing after doing that. And so you can find me on there as well. We're going to be doing weekly live sales. Uh, you can always book in and book an appointment with me. I'm in my studio now where I can do a Zoom with you. I can try things on. I can show you how your laptop fits inside. You can ask me a million questions. I have a big set of drawers here filled with lots of props. And you can basically say like, this is me. I want this bag. Can you show me all the colors and we can do it together on a Zoom. Um, and what's coming next for Kerry Kit? So the challenges I have, I guess, is that as a leather bag, we are sustainable because we are beautiful products that are really well made. But there is this challenge of doing sustainable leather. So that's something that I've been really investigating. Um, so I'm hoping that next year, we have an amazing collection coming out next year. Oh my God, I'm so excited about it. Um, but maybe the year after, the season after that for autumn, winter next year, going into autumn, winter, we are in the process at the moment at looking at sustainable leathers and how we can make our company carbon neutral. So we plant trees for every bag that we sell. And I'm also really excited that we're going to be linking up with a new charity called SmartWorks. And that's where um, they help women who are going back into the workplace who've had a break and um, may need support with clothing and they need a bag. So we want to be able to recycle our bags. So if people want to donate the bag back to us, or if we have a bag that there's a stitch, I'm very, very finickety, they've got to be perfect. If there's something that makes it to me a slight second, we can then pass them on to SmartWorks and then use the bag, give them to the people who are going back to have a job. And then if they get the job, they get a capsule wardrobe, they keep the bag, obviously. And that means that the life cycle of the Kerry Kit bag carries on and it enables somebody else, um, a woman who's often a mother who's had a break, to get that break to go back into work. You know, it's like we're giving we're giving the bag, supporting the woman, and it just feels really like in, in partnership with my core values as well. Love it. I love that. And just so you know, we actually have quite the following from the UK. Uh, oh. So I'm going to post this in my code. So we'll post the uh, link to your website. I have a code. I think it's Megan, yep. all caps, 20. It'll be in the show notes. So just look uh, down Megan below. 15. It's Megan, Megan 15. 15. Megan 15. Megan 15. It'll be in the show notes for everybody. I'm going to also post this to my community on Facebook, uh, my email community, because we actually, we have a lot of clients from the UK. So I want them to know about Carrie Kit because your bags are fab. Thank you so much. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was just, oh my gosh, what a rich conversation, uh, a conversation about reality what it looks like to be a mom, to be a wife, to be a business owner, to go from idea, actually from like, there's a problem to idea to actually producing an entire product line, an entire company, while also like trying to keep the wheels on a family and self and health and self-care. It's just been extraordinary to hear your story. So thank you so much for sharing it with our audience today. 
Oh, Megan, I've had the best time. It's like we're best friends from across the ocean. It's such a shame we can't have a drink together. I know. It was so lovely to speak to you. And thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.